Hey, Redeem family, I am so excited to continue this series on updating our operating system. But I want to start with this question. When is the last time that you did something that absolutely terrified you? For me, it was literally two weeks ago. And uh, we were planning a trip to go spend some time with our family friends in Albuquerque, New Mexico. A hotbed for, you know, spring breaking, I guess. But we went down to Albuquerque. And so we, as we were planning our trip, my wife, I remember getting a text and she just says, what would it take to get you on a hot air balloon? <laughs> now, if you know anything about me, I'm afraid of most things. But uh, my number one fear is obviously clowns, like it should be for everyone. But my number two fear is heights. And so a hot air balloon ride is not something that I actually want to do. But because I love my wife and she loves heights, and I want to give experience for my boys, I say yes, because it also is important to do stuff that absolutely terrifies you. Now, one of the things I did not know about hot air balloon, because Albuquerque is the hot air balloon capital of the world, but these guys who are flying them have absolutely no control over them. I didn't know this, but they have no way to steer the hot air balloon. So you just go up to 3,200 feet. It's completely uh, silent. And it's the most fearful thing for me in the world, except maybe if you put like a bunch of clowns instead of my family in them, then it would be the most terrifying thing in the world. But it was bad enough being up there with my family, 3,200 feet up in the air. And the wind is just taking you. And the wind is just taking you. And you realize that as you're coming back down, they're looking for a place to park this thing and set this thing down, and they don't know where to do it. They just have to go the way the wind goes. And so today, I'm admitting to you that I'm preaching on something that actually kind of terrifies me as well. And so are you ready to embark on something that might scare you? And I ask that because it's really important that we understand this as a church. You know, as we were sharing um, uh, uh, in the transition team planning, one of the things that came up was we shared this word dynamic, or somebody was sharing this word dynamic, and the elders were in the room, and the transition team was sharing our plans as we continue to transition, and they used this word dynamic. And the elder team really uh, took to that word of how do we become a dynamic church? And actually, last night, I was getting prayed over by one of my buddies, and he used this, this thing where he, or he used the word dynamic. He prayed for us and said, we pray that Redeem would become a dynamic church. And so it's just so important as we embark in this next thing that we're looking at activating our faith to look more like what we read about than simply just reading it. We want to activate our faith to do the things that the Bible says rather than just reading about it. Like my boy uh, Dave Meikle always says, he says, we huddle together to go run plays. One of the challenges with the church right now is that we huddle together and all we talk about is huddling together again. So today, we're going to talk about John 14, 8 through 14, and this idea of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do greater works, okay? We're talking about getting empowered by the Holy Spirit to do greater works. Now, growing up in Indiana, I grew up in the Bible Belt. I grew up in a small town in Indiana, and I grew up in a place where there are churches everywhere, right? Like here in the Northwest, we have Starbucks that are across the street from other Starbucks. That's the church for me in Indiana, right? We had churches across the street from other churches. And so I grew up knowing what to believe, but I didn't really experience the presence of God. I didn't quite understand how that works. And so I was desperate because I was reading these things, but I wasn't seeing 
anything actually happened from what we were reading. And it was really hard for me growing up. I didn't even know really who the Holy Spirit was. For, for me, for the Holy Spirit was, you know, every year during Pentecost, the minister would come out with a robe with a dove on. And I'd be like, oh, the Holy Spirit's here. The minister has got the dove on, right? And so once a year around Pentecost, it's the minister comes in with the robe on with the dove. And so this has been a 20-year journey. I've heard about healings and miracles and prophetic words, and I desperately wanted to see them. And really in the last five years, I've really been building a theology around this, witnessing, uh, experiencing healings, seeing Holy Spirit movements, seeing prophetic words and wisdom and, and, and visions happen. And it's just so important that we understand that we're called to not just read the Bible, but do what we see in it. You know, I haven't shared this with very many people, but, you know, as I lead Redeem Church in this next season, I actually came here to work with Redeem through a prophetic word. I was in London and I was getting prayed over by just a random person at this church in, in central London. And I was there for work at this conference. And a guy prayed over me and he prayed and it was one of those prayers where it was nice, but it wasn't anything hitting. At the end, he, he finished. He looked at me and he did it so kindly and so correctly. And he said, hey, I felt the Holy Spirit moving and saying uh, that you are supposed to go and help work at your church. Now, he really did it kindly because he said, do you have uh, mentors and you have people that can discern this calling? Because I might be wrong, but I want to just say what I'm feeling. I feel the Holy Spirit moving to tell you that. Now, as I went back, literally Dave and I had conversations like a week after without him knowing that about what would it be like for me to come help him lead the church. And so I volunteered for a number of years. And now here I am in this next season helping lead Redeemed Church. And that's all through what God wanted to do and he, how he wanted to move things. And so it really does move things forward in the kingdom. Now, as, as I was praying about updating our operating system, this is a cultural shift that we want to happen at Redeem. We want to start being people where we believe that the Lord is moving, understand that his presence comes with power, and to start transforming people's lives. Because when we do, things start moving and we become a dynamic church, right? So this sermon, we're looking at the important truth and trying to build a framework of what this will look like for Redeem moving forward, right? But we, as a staff, and as a leadership team, are committed to training up the body to do these works. One of the things that we want to be really careful of is, is just training people and giving people opportunities to see what this looks like, to re receive prophetic words, and to deliver words of knowledge, and to, uh, to, have inner and to work with people and pray for people for inner healing, and for, for people to, to pray in warfare prayer, and for us to be praying for the sick. We want to look at what that looks like. And we want to do it in a healthy way. You know, this is one area where I've seen people just want the gifts without understanding how they work. And listen, that can do a lot of damage. And I've seen it in my own life with people that are close to me where the church has actually hurt people because it's people just trying out of their own will to make themselves fear spiritual rather than really coming and listening to the Holy Spirit and delivering words with grace and truth and peace. So as we look at John 14, we have to remember that Jesus is speaking to the disciples that have been with him for three years. They've heard his teaching. 
They've seen these miracles happen. They've been sent out in, in, in groups of two to go work on the ministry. He's taught them. He's helped them understand the operating system and how this all worked. So as we enter into this particular sermon, I don't know where you're at, but I'm guessing there's a few places that you might be. Maybe you've seen signs and wonders and you've seen prophetic words happening and this is old news to you, right? And you're looking forward and, and we're, we're looking forward to walking alongside you and helping as we as a community embrace this new operating system. Maybe you've heard about these things, you believe in them, but you've never really seen them come, uh, you've never really seen them and you've never really been taught or discipled on how this works. So I'm excited to walk alongside you. Maybe you're scared to really live this empowerment and you don't know what your faith would even look like doing this. Or maybe you will disagree with this whole thing and it would be awesome to talk about it as a community because it, it's so important that we look at what does God want to be doing with us as a church. Now let's dig in to the first part of this John 14 passage and we're looking at 8 through 10 for the first part and we're doing the, uh, the ESV version here. Verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Philip is asking the cry of everyone's heart, right? Whether you're a believer or not a believer, right? We all want to see God, right? We want to see God. We want his presence with us. And even non-believers, right? If there is a God, I want to see it. I have a couple of close friends that feel that way. I have one really close friend. He's like, I've gone to church. I've tried to get there from head knowledge, but I just don't see God. I don't, see his pre- I don't feel his presence. I don't see him moving. I don't see this stuff happening that you guys talk about. And so we, Philip is like all of us, we just want to see God. Now the answer that Jesus gives him, uh, once again, is revolutionary. It's an update to the operating system for us and for, any, and for anyone that hears it. Anyone who has seen my father, or anyone who has seen me, has seen the father. Jesus is declaring that he's fully divine, even as Philip's watching him and seeing him as fully human. And this is so significant, right? Now this idea of dwell is also very important. He uses this word dwell. Verse 10 again. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Who dwells in me does his works. Now this is the Greek term mino and uh, uh, it, it's, it's used actually just a couple verses later in verse 17. And this word means to, to stay or to abide, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present. This is the Greek word that he's using. So let's skip to verse 17, just a few verses later. And uh, Brother Eddie's actually going to be uh, sharing a little bit more about this next week, so I'm not trying to share his, his, uh, steal his thunder, but it's so important that we understand this word and this idea of dwell in the Holy Spirit. So verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. There's a parallel relationship that Jesus is updating our operating system on, right? So the Father is in the Son, and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us just like the Father is in the Son. Now we have the Holy Spirit that's in us and works and, and will be with us, right? So like we talked about last week, before any of this, we have to begin with understanding how this relationship works. The Father is in the Son, and He does the work. We'll see that the Holy Spirit is in us, and He does the work, right? It's all about who's doing the work. And this parallel relationship is really important for us to understand, that it's about dwelling before we do the works. So before Jesus gets into the works, and the, the, the disciples will do, like Him, He talks about the relationship and starts there. Now let's go into the next part of the verse in John 14, 11 through 12. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. All right. One of the coolest experiences that I've ever had is that Marty is my father-in-law, and one time he bought all of us son-in-laws and himself tickets to the Canucks Boston Brewers game. Now, if you've never seen hockey live, it's way better than on TV. But the coolest thing about this experience is that Marty really went for it and he bought us glass tickets. We sat on the glass right behind the net, all right? And if you've ever been to a professional sport, sporting event, you realize how fast and how big these guys are. But in particular, I had no idea with hockey. The speed and the strength and the size of these guys were crazy. And I'm right there on the glass, sitting in my nice comfy chair, and people are getting cross-checked, and people are getting cr cr uh, uh, checked into the glass. I'm pounding on the glass, right? I'm seeing the, the, the goalie save, uh, save pucks, and, and like literally, these things are going, I looked it up, I think they're going around 100 miles per hour, and these goalies are just glove-saving these, right? And they're, they're skating at incredible speed. They're skating at 20 miles per hour. And you're sitting there in this chair, and you're thinking, there's no way I could ever do that. Like, there's no way I could ever do that, right? And so it's so much like, we, we, like how we approach our faith sometimes. We're sitting in this chair with glass in front of us, and we're just watching Jesus do these miracles. We're reading what is happening in Acts and through all, the, uh, all of Paul's writings, and we're just thinking, it's just fun to watch this, right? It's cool to see this, but I could never, I could never do that. It's easy for us to sit behind the glass, but I believe that Jesus is actually calling us to, in faith, put on our skates and start skating a little bit, right? I think he's calling us to join in there, and no matter how scared we are, really start doing the things that we read in the Bible. Now, the greater part, when he says that you're going to do greater works than these, that doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to do greater things. Look, Jesus turned water into wine. He healed, uh, healed people. He raised people from the dead. He made loaves and fishes go out to 5,000 people. Although it's not limiting, because I don't want to limit God, I want us to think about this greater as we're all doing our part to practice listening, to be under the Father's authority, and when He tells us to do something, we do it. And the greater part is this, 
this tapestry that we all doing the works come together and all these things coming together are this great works where it starts to look a little bit more like heaven here on earth. It starts the kingdom advance a little bit here in the South Sound, right? But if we're all just sitting behind the glass and watching and thinking that, it's gonna, that we could never do that, it actually isn't greater. Us all coming together and doing the small things that God has called us to, we begin to start this tapestry where there is kingdom advance happening. And that's the desire of my heart. When we begin praying for healing, when we begin sharing the gospel, when we begin sharing words of knowledge, when we begin loving people so deeply that they understand the love of God, ultimately the kingdom begins to advance, right? And so again, this is something that we're going to be journeying over the next year. We're going to be teaching and learning and building this up so that all of us are ready to strap on the skates and skate a little bit, no matter how scared we are. And there's no magic to this. We all have to grow in this. No matter where you're at in the journey, we all can grow on this. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, you have seen the Father because you've seen me. And if that's not enough, it's because you've seen the works, right? So let's look and study a few things that Jesus did to do the works so we can learn because we're called to the same. So let's look at some of the principles and the practices that he did as we look at these works. Now the first thing we see is that he consistently, consistently spent time with his father. It may seem obvious statement, but there's a constant pattern in Jesus' life that before he teaches, that before he does miracles, he pulls away and he spends time with the Father. Mark 1:35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and, Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on the next towns, that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Before he went to the next town to, to, to preach in the synagogues and cast out demons, he went and he departed and he prayed, right? Luke 6, 12. In these days, he went out to the mountains to pray, and all night he continued to pray, continued in prayer to God. It's so important for us to, to understand that to start to live this way, to start to do the works that, that God calls us to, to live out our purpose, we have to be in deep relationship with him. It starts with deep relationship with him. Which brings me to the next point. We have to spend time with God because like we see with Jesus, his authority was simply, he only does what he sees the Father doing. John 5, 18 through 20. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will, be, he, he, will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. You know, I've seen this over and over again because we so desire to be people that heal people and people that can give words and people that can give prophetic visions. And we forget that it's not about us doing it on our own. 
we kind of by will just try our hardest to get it there. But this really takes the pressure off us when we really start to live this way. We get in relationship and when we simply see, uh, the, when we simply feel the Spirit move, we understand that the Father wants to do something here through us, right? It's simply we just have to see and, and be ready and attuned to see what the Father does. And the Holy Spirit will tell us what the Father wants to do. Now, part of spiritual maturity is also understanding that it's His will, not ours. Matthew 6.10, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus actually prays this, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a difficult thing as we uh, look more into John 14 and the last two verses that we're going to cover today in 13.14. Because John 13 and 14, what we'll see in, or John 14, 13 to 14, what we'll see is that uh, Jesus is asking us to ask and it will be granted. But in our life, we also know that this is not that every prayer or wish will be granted, but it shows that Jesus is now the mediator, right? So John, thir- uh, so let's finish this, this part of John here. 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I'm sure that all of us have prayed for wisdom in a situation or for a hurt to go away or for someone to be well who's sick and we haven't seen it happen. And we have to understand that we, we are called to ask in faith for these things, but understand that it's God's will and it's the Father's authority that these things happen, right? And so John 6, 38, Jesus says, because I have come down from heaven, not that I should do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. And then we also see in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we see the garden as Jesus is about to head into the Passion story. It says in, in Matthew 26, 39, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's so important that we ask. It's so important that we believe, that we believe for healings, that we, in faith, bring these things to God. And it's so important that we also understand that it's through the Father's authority and that we understand that it's praying for His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, a third point that I want to make is that we, it's also important that we point out that as we go out and do this work, this is not about us. It's about compassion for the person and to glorify God. So any works that we do, it's important that we understand that it's not for us. It's out, of, it's out of compassion for the person and to glorify God. This won't work if it's all about us, right? If we don't have compassion. Matthew 20, 32 through 34, as we look at this, at this part. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked him, telling him them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. 
It's so important that we, we, we are led on all these things through compassion. One of the challenges that I ha- think we have right now is we kind of have an us and them uh, relationship with the world, right? We, we so want to, uh, it's so important that when we see Jesus, he engaged the world with compassion, not an us and them uh, mentality. And so us as a church, it's not just what happens on a church Sunday, but as we go out, as we want these things to happen, it's important that we approach everything with compassion. Now, the fifth and final thing that I want to point out is that this way of life has the, 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 the potential to not just transform the person that we're speaking to, but many people's lives. That when we do signs and wonders, and we actually not only speak and share the gospel, but also out of love, we, we give and we try to see what Jesus is doing and what, how God wants to move that we see that actually a lot of people's lives are transformed. So let's look at two stories just in John 4. The first story is Jesus and the woman in Samaria, right? Jesus puts himself in the position to work, and we've talked about this story a lot of times. He gives a word of knowledge, right? He says things to her, to, uh, her that people shouldn't know, right? Transforms her life. And this says in John 4, 39, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me, told me all that I ever did. There's power in it. When, people, when, when, when you share the gospel and you have transformational power, they go out and they share with their friends, families, and, and loved ones, right? Uh, the next story in John 4, Jesus heals an official son. Come to Jesus. Uh, he comes to Jesus to heal his son. Jesus doesn't even have to go there. And, and, and he believes and he goes home and halfway through, the servant meets him and he says, your son is healed. And John 4, 53, the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. Look, if we want a kingdom movement to happen here in Lakewood, UP, Tacoma, DuPont, Stillicum, wherever you are, it's about proclaiming the truth about Jesus, yes, but also when we move in the power of the Holy Spirit, lives are transformed and those transformed lives are contagious, right? As lives are transformed, those, tra- those, uh, those transformed lives are contagious. They're like B vitamin shots to the church, right? It grows exponentially. The power, be- the presence of God and the power, it begins to grow as people and new believers come into the body and give that excitement and bring other people into the body. It's actually contagious. And look, we're at a critical time as a church. Um, and here, Redeemed Church as a local church, right? We all have people in our lives that are hurting. Now, probably more than ever, with everything that's happening. Uh, and, and in lockdown and all, all the things that are, that are happening around here. We have people whose lives are still hurting. And, and we, have to, we have to ask, are we willing and are we bold enough to pray for them? and share what God has specifically for their lives? Are we willing to do the hard work to, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to actually go and be bold enough to share whatever is on our heart and to share with people what they need to hear, to pray for their healings, to pray and to get them real and get them right? When we get those little nudges from the Holy Spirit to go and share something for them, are we ready to go do it, right? Are we ready to go do it? Do we, do we come to church with expectations that it's just going to be the status quo? Or do we come with expectations that the Spirit's going to move and that when the presence comes, so does the power, right? 
Are we willing to get into the dirt and the mud and those suffering with the homeless and the sick to actually start to live these things and start to live like the Bible says? Are we just looking to huddle and then wait a week and then huddle a little bit more? Are we ready to step on the ice and get a little bit behind the glass, get out from behind the glass and skate a little bit, right? No matter how scared we are. Are we ready to ride on that hot air balloon? Are we ready to live out this verse? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. I am so excited about this next season of Redeem, but I'm really excited when we start doing these works and we, I'm so desperate for life transformation to happen. I'm so, so desperate for within our body and even outside of our body for lives to be transformed in such a radical way that this thing just takes off, not for us, but for God and God's will and God's timing that we see kingdom advance and that we ultimately, ultimately, ultimately see changes happening in our community. So let me just pray for you as we begin this, uh, as we continue this new series. And I really want to pray that God would, uh, would give you um, just, uh, would give you confidence and boldness to embrace this lifestyle, right? That he would help us to lean in as a body together. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for these verses, Lord. We're so thankful for this challenge, Lord. Will you give people boldness in this next season? Will you help them to uh, get words of knowledge, to be bold enough to pray for the sick? Will you help them to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they would reach out to their friends and their family and their coworkers in a real natural way, but ultimately that they would just be so filled with compassion that they would that they would just so connect with people because they want to share God your love with people in their lives. Lord, will you help us as a body lean into this vision of not just reading your word, but to actually practice what you what you're telling us to do? Will you help us to to know exactly how to bet to best come alongside each other, to grow as one body? Lord, we are so desperate for transformed lives, Lord. Let us not to not shrink and to be cowardly in this season, but rather let us stand up and be bold and be present in our communities, Lord, and help us to help uh, help us to, to see where you are transforming lives. And Lord, help us to see what you are already doing. And Lord, help us to come alongside and do your works. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, we love you. Uh, Eddie's going to be preaching next week. We cannot wait to continue this sermon series of updating our operating systems. Have a great week.